Good evening, and welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. We are at episode 663. This is being recorded on Wednesday, February 9, 2022 on Sebastian Peak. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spurnberg. You can find out when we go live for events like this podcast recording session by going to pcper.com slash subscribe. And if that is actually working, then you will be subscribed to our text mailing list. You get an old-fashioned electronic mail about an hour or so before we go live or, you know, give or take 15 minutes. I got mine at around 9 o'clock tonight. Eastern time. I still want to include a classic selection of old viruses from like DOS days, but Sebastian won't let me. I, you've never asked. Look, if it's a it's an old enough virus, I think we wouldn't really be liable. I mean, I don't really know how that works. Like a boot sector virus from the 386 era. Yeah. Uh, just it's art at that point. Make an NFT out of it, and then yeah, uh, hanging on a wall. Done. Uh, Patreon. Do I have to just? Speaking of speaking of paying for things, yeah, uh, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, uh, patreon.com slash PC per we had three people join up in the last week or so we mentioned Aaron last week but I did not relay Aaron's uh, personal message request which he has asked Josh to read yes but we Josh. also have to join we have to welcome Lars and Jay style to the family as well I've sent them messages Thank you both uh, from the Jay Styles man <clears throat> yeah it's it oh they're part of an exclusive community now that they never even knew existed before. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing what your contribution can do for you. At least for your self-esteem. We don't actually do anything specific for you. Uh, but Josh, uh, did you see his uh, happy Valentine's Day message <clears throat> from Mr. Aaron? Yes. Okay. I'll add music. Is my to audio working? Post. Yes, it is. It's all I... good. Yes. Aaron asks, please wish my beautiful wife a happy Valentine's Day and let her know that I love her even more than my EVGA RTX 3090 for the Win 3 Ultra that she was not thrilled about a few months ago. And while even the mighty 3090 will inevitably be upgraded from many moons from now, she could not possibly be replaced. So, Aaron's wife, from the bottom of my wallet, or maybe your husband's. We wish you a happy Valentine's Day. We hope that it's full of love, prosperity, and really good cooling on an overclock 3090. Kisses. That was beautiful. Yeah. Brought a tear to everyone who was in on a 3090. Yeah, I know. I know. I thought the I thought the message had a really sweet bit of product placement, but then he sort of veered mm. away from that and then went personal. So that was kind of my Aaron take away from it. actually uh, somebody that we know from EVGA? Mm. I don't think so. Uh, I will Maybe. say though, if you want to read between the lines, Jacob in the sky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you want to read between the lines? Uh, he said, even though the thirty ninety will inevitably inevitably be upgraded, she could not possibly be replaced mm. that does not mean that but she should not could be upgraded possibly. yeah yes so mm. yes uh aaron's wife <clears throat> you might be looking at a possible upgrade situation many moons from now moving on to food discussion josh we will throw it back to you in laramie wyoming again oh man fries damn it yeah well this is uh 
It's not fries. Well, okay, they're fries. What happened to my phone? Oh yeah, this one is. Uh, this one is is an interesting one. Uh, we hadn't had this ever before. It's called the Alamo, and I mean, how could you forget it? It's one uh-huh. beef patty, chips, which they make there, uh, green chilies, chipotle cream cheese, and sparky fire sauce. All together under one set of buns and into my stomach. It was a uh, it was interesting. It had a little bit of spice to it and a little tang. The chilies were nice. Uh, the cream cheese was was pretty tasty with the chipotle added. Uh, the consistency was a little odd, just because it, it kind of came out pinkish, as one would expect. Um, but yeah, no, fantastic uh, burger. And, uh, yeah, they started cutting their own fries again, which is always a plus. <clears throat> and uh, a little too salty, but I'll take the good with the bad. And in this case, it was overall very good. Mostly armless, writes mm. Jeremy Hellstrom at PCPro.com. The NVIDIA deal to acquire ARM from SoftBank is no more. And there was much rejoicing. Who could have ever predicted this other than Charlie? From some yeah. <laughs> who is very, very willing to tell you that he did. <laughs> there was a lot of doubt, you know, from when they announced this, that it would go through just because it would have to go through several regulatory processes. Um, the UK was not interested in, you know, arm their crown jewel of their, their tech world um, to be bought up by uh, NVIDIA. Uh, much less, you know, any American company. And uh, China was was not looking at it uh, very kindly either because, you know, a lot of their CPU production is all based on ARM. Um, you know, NVIDIA promised to leave kind of the, the golden, the, the goose had laid the golden egg alone and let them do themselves, but a lot of people just didn't, didn't trust that. And this was going to be one of the uh, highest priced acquisitions uh, in, in the modern era. And it would have been interesting. Um, it would have certainly made a juggernaut out of NVIDIA. Um, but there was going to inevitably be more backlash, not just from governments, but um, people like Apple were looking at Risk Five or Risk V, whichever way you want to call that. Um, pretty uh, closely just because I don't think they wanted to really work with NVIDIA. I mean, they have some bad blood. I mean, Bumpgate cost them a pretty penny. And uh, it just probably wasn't going to work. And so it all just dropped off. And now SoftBank uh, in the next year uh, will be doing an IPO for ARM and it's going to become a publicly traded company. And one interesting thing that we discovered about ARM is, uh, I mean, their finances have been behind a a curtain for a long time since SoftBank acquired it. And uh, we always kind of assumed that it was losing money every quarter because they were, they were growing, uh, they were expanding, they were, you know, buying up smaller design teams and groups, um, taking a lot more tech on a lot more technology that, that they previously had not done. And uh, the assumption was just, uh, yeah, they're, they're taking this money from SoftBank and they're probably losing money, even though they're licensing out all these designs and the architecture and, and uh, you know, they, they had, you know, neural processors and 
GPUs and CPUs and a large portfolio of, of all of these products across the board that they were licensing out to pretty much everyone. And, you know, billions of chips were being produced a year. And uh, finally, when this announcement that NVIDIA would uh, not be buying them and they would be, in fact, <clears throat> going public uh, through an IPO, um, they've actually been making money every year. Uh, and they're, you know, in the in the billions of dollars of revenue. And uh, I think last year they, they claimed $900 million in actual net income. Um, and so this is a big positive for... Arm going off by itself in that uh, their accounting is is really tight, and even though they're growing and expanding, uh, they're still staying within their you know budgetary uh, um, lines and doing well. So, yeah, everybody's kind of breathing a sigh of relief that Arm is going to stay by itself. It's it's going to be publicly traded company once again, and uh, again, it, it's it's probably going to be just a huge IPO. Uh, once it happens, and it's going to happen before March thirtieth, twenty twenty three, I believe. And so they got a lot of work to do in between now and then, but uh, it should be very interesting. But one of the things I didn't realize is that SoftBank owned WeWork, so apparently they a lot own of all kinds. Apparently, of- they do, and apparently, apart from ARM, they've all been doing poorly, or at least below expectation. Because uh, sometimes below expectation still means they raked in a couple of billion bucks. Mm-hmm. So. I think SoftBank is kind of looking at this as, you know, for our back end, we, we kind of need some money. So a, a big IPO is is probably going to get us some of what we need. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you know, you're, you're standing there, which is worse. Do, do you give it to Jensen and NVIDIA or do you give it to the NASDAQ? I honestly don't know which of these two horrible propositions I prefer. <laughs> I mean, Dell went private again. So, I mean, there's yeah, no reason they, they, that... Uh, <laughs> I'm public, I'm private, I'm public, I'm private. <laughs> Wait, are they currently yeah. public or private? I've lost... They're track. private. They're private. Yeah, I don't think okay. that they're ever going to go public again. I, I, I just trying to still figure out what's going to happen to Arm China. Yeah, that's the weird one. Because you've still got that fired CEO that refuses to leave and shit-canned all of the people that are hired to replace them. Mm-hmm. And it's just still there. I mean, it's in the courts and it has been since what, 2000, April, 18 or, so? or something. Yeah. yeah. Like it's been a long time. It's been it's a while. On. Yeah. No, uh, when, when you do business in China, you have to do some really strange things. Essentially you have to cede half the control over to the Chinese government. They are half owners. So, you know, right, right. um, AMD did this, Everyone who's ever worked with China, they've they've had to do a subsidiary. Yeah, they had to do a subsidiary that is half owned by the Chinese government that, you know, it's your stuff, but you only have 49% control. And so that's why this dude is is still in charge over there. It's it's uh, it's bizarre. It's not a great way to do business, but that's how they do business. So Uh, a timely comment from Time Twin in the YouTube chat brings up Intel's investment. Risk V, which I was going this to is, yeah. flip to. I was going to talk about NVIDIA telegraphing this move by investing yeah. in a big bunch yep. of programmers in uh, in Israel, but this one's even more interesting. Yeah, I, I labeled this one flipping the script. <laughs> yeah, this is it's kind of a big deal. Uh, Risk V has been you know making a lot of uh, waves uh, with uh, them doing essentially open source CPUs, and uh, I don't know how they make their money, but they do. 
But anyhow, uh, Intel is investing in them because I guess they feel that ARM needs, uh, you know, a more competition in there. And uh, RISC-V is, is uh, it's an interesting, interesting technology. It's, it's you know, a good design. And, they, and these guys like, you know, Western Digital, they take the design and they make their own controllers out of them. I mean, it's, it's not like you can go out and buy a RISC-V CPU. I mean, you can. But they're like dev boards and stuff like that. I mean, these are all integrated usually into proprietary controllers and stuff like that. But that may not always be the case because the you know the the first problem that you run into in 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 trying to make a more general purpose uh, CPU is that you got to have software support for it. And right now, I mean, yes, there are uh, there. I, I believe that there are uh, Linux kernel. And some other things, but you know, software support is is really key for uh, moving any architecture forward. And there's just not a whole lot of it out there. Again, this is why it's uh, mainly you know controllers built in house and and taking these designs and and uh, and still licensing them. But you're not really paying a whole lot as compared to ARM. I I don't know the exact contract details. I mean, the Risk Five Group still you know SI five. Uh, still has to make some money somewhere. But anyway, what do you think, Jeremy? Uh, it's kind of really interesting. Uh, and thankfully, Power Nine guy isn't still around because he'd be apoplectic at this point. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, uh, it, it makes a, a huge amount of sense. <clears throat> In the same way that nobody knows about, you know, oh. Arm, who were they? I've never heard of them. Like, dude, they've got like probably a hundred processors for every person on the planet. It, whatever you own is, that isn't a computer directly is probably running on Arm. And so the Risk V architecture has been in the background this whole time. It, it's never been sexy. It's never really been a lot of fun to talk about, even on the podcast. But none of us have ever poo pooed it. And seeing Intel sort of uh, doing. What we've been seeing for the long t- longest time, which is the fight between ARM coming from low power but trying to do higher power processing versus AMD and Intel doing high power processing but trying to lower their power. This is the sort of stuff that could really change what uh, Intel is able to provide. And I think that's going to be kind of really neat. Actually, I didn't realize that Intel already had a RISC-V uh, chip. Just look that up. The NEOS, is that how you pronounce it? NIOS? NEOS, NEOS 5 processors? NEOS-V? Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, they've got tens of thousands of engineers and, you know, why not? It's just, it seems like the antithesis of what it is they were all about, of course, with their so sticking by CISC for so long and, and not um, adopting a lot of the other architectures that were moving more. Everybody's a, sort of gained a little bit of the other architecture, CISC and RISC. They've taken on a few elements from the opposite way of a thinking. A few? Just kidding. <laughs> instructions. <laughs> okay. True. They're all risky processors. So, you know, it's just mm. x86 is a, is a weird thing, uh, but yeah. it's not much of a issue really anymore, even in, you know, not only good performance, but also good and mobile that architecture and process technology have, have eclipsed uh, what was once a, a performance task uh, tax yep. on, uh, on that stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it, um, I, I, I think BK 
was was obviously not a great CEO of Intel. And uh, hmm. the new guy, Pat, he's he's pretty forward looking, and I think that they've got some, you know, some aggressive moves on the horizon. And and going Risk Five is certainly one of them. And it would you um, say he runs close to the metal? And it's by the way, it looks like IP uh, from uh, they make their money off of IP intellectual property type stuff. You know, doling that out, selling. No risk, risk, risk five, risk V. Looks like that's how they make their money. Yeah. Oh, good. AMD record market share. Look at that line, uh, the red line. They're hitting twenty percent on desktop. Although it is starting to fall again. If we look at Q4 of 2021, so yeah, but look at that one of the, line. One of the reasons was due the to supply constraint, cons- constraint in supply. If they could have made more, they would have sold more. If right, indeed. If this is the problem with being a fabulous semiconductor company, because then you're at the mm. mercy of whoever can. Wait, what are we talking about? Lucid Logics. Yeah, Lucid Logics is also a fabulous <laughs> semiconductor company. We could use them now. If if Windows 10 embraced multi-GPU, and why not, really? We're, talk, we're in the age of chiplets, and we've lost multi-GPU support, especially in the age of not being able to buy graphics cards. Uh, who wouldn't like to put two GTX 770s together and have something halfway decent in modern games? But you just can't. That's all. Rant over. Done. But with Lucid Logic, you could get a 6800 XT and combine it with a 3080. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. With virtually no penalty. None. <laughs> Only about 40% performance loss. Uh, okay. Another hilarious <clears throat> pun-infused in, yes. title from Jeremy here. Panic at the Cisco. Now, we, we last I think last time we talked about a 9.8, some lame 9.8 out of 10. No. Two, three, perfect tens. Security. Congratulations. I'm assuming this is only the managed switches from Cisco. Well, they're the cheaper versions, which are usually found in like the, we can't afford the the fancy stuff. (laughs) And the best part about it is that uh, there are four specific routers affected to buy these, of which there are two that have patches. So the other 50% of you are, well, you know, kind of, a little bit in trouble because they hit the trifecta. We got a remote coyote execution bug, a privilege escalation bug, and a command injection possibility, all of which are remote. They do not need you to have physical access, so you do need to sort of be into your network, but chances are you're using this as your firewall too, so yeah, it's 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 not great. Uh, they also added like another seven or eight patches or vulnerabilities all of which are you know mere sevens or eights they're not the perfect tens i literally the only good news about this is that a shodan scan uh shows that well the exploits are known they're not really posted to any of the usual places that uh people grab these uh i love i love that they call it the shodan scan it what else would you have called it josh (laughs) yeah what else? The, the, the look at you, hacker. Sure. Do you have elite hacks or skills? Do you want $100,000? Express VPN, not a sponsor of this podcast currently, is offering $100,000 to the first person who hacks its servers. This is a good way to get some positive press after all the negative press they got after their acquisition. Yeah. 
It's a bug bounty for ethical hackers. I uh, thought this was a nice counterpoint to the perfect tens at Cisco to say, oh, we think we've all got it going on. Come hack us. Yeah. There's some conditions, I guess, but... Uh, con- conditions may apply. Oh, sorry, that was my that was my oh, ad okay. voice. No. Yeah, all right. You, you may or may not be arrested after winning the uh, contest. Tweaktown has reviewed the WD Black SN770. That's a DRAMless or DRAMless SSD is the Thank you, Tweaktown. I really appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those super slim down. We've seen the WD Blue like this. You have a minimal uh, complement of chips. Ah, but what like kind of a flash is that? What kind of flash is it? That's a brand new type of flash we haven't seen before. That's Bix 5. Yeah. 5, you say? That, that is actually how this poor little beastie uh, of a four-channel PCI 4.0 without any case on it whatsoever is actually able to compete with some drives that you wouldn't think it would be able to. Oh, it's not winning anything because, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't have any RAM on it. But that Bix 5 is actually looks like it's going to boost some stuff up. So, yeah, uh, for a TLC drive, which uh, about 130 bucks for the one terabyte, uh, which, you know, is going to fluctuate a little bit, but generally doesn't too much. It's, you know, it beats the Intel one that I've got. Uh, and if you're not writing much, if you're just reading, it's pretty brilliant. Like it's up there, uh, you know, with the big boys on that one. It beats the Cyber Rock Four Plus. Offers very respectable random 4K performance. Yes. Yeah. Now the performance is a little wibbly wobbly, and some things it doesn't do quite as well. Uh, I don't think it liked uh, Anvil very much. But overall, for what it is, it tells us that once you start seeing the Bix Five come out on some of the better drives, it's probably going to be pretty impressive and. Then again, I mean, why are we even talking about PCI 4.0 SSDs at this point? Because PCIe 5 is just... PCIe 5.0 is already out. This is old garbage now. <laughs> it's a price premium. Honestly, you're not going to really notice the difference uh, unless you're doing actual work. If you're farting around, playing games and that, it's unless you just like downloading 100 gig patches all the time for kicks and giggles, it's, you know, this is going to be a really good choice because uh, i mean an mp600 pro xd is a little bit more expensive but the amount of performance boost you get is nowhere near the price delta so it's it's interesting and i'm looking forward to seeing what else going to come out of this because this is a sandisk controller that they used yeah unspecified and didn't see anything but i gotta say western digital you're you're getting confusing with your branding because uh there's a couple of commenters were mentioning what this is more like a high-end blue yes than a low-end black Mm -hmm. and i sort of point out well there was a time where they'd released two different versions of the black and unless you were familiar with the serial numbers or realized the sticker was slightly differently placed on one of the models you had no idea which one you were getting so western digital you know maybe you know, it Maybe almost that reminds me of something else. Western Digital, not knowing what you're getting. Oh yeah, the Western Digital Reds. Though they have sort of addressed that. There's, that was a nasty problem. Yeah. Oh. Who doesn't like Sound Blaster cards? Well, it's I don't know if this is actually branded as Sound Blaster. Yes, it is. It is branded. As it Sound is. Tech Power Up has a review of the new Sound Blaster X4. This is uh, an external unit. All I gotta say is what a knob. Oh. <laughs> I wonder he what just the, can't uh, knob stop. Feel 
on this is is that an aluminum an aluminum knob is it plastic no uh it got negative marks for being all plastic oh, uh, oh yuck oh yeah 140 dollars, and you put a plastic knob on it right the audio aesthetics are wonderful the visual ones and tactile ones not so much i i wonder if it's on audio science review yet everyone's uh, favorite source of extremely in-depth review of computer audio products Tech power up. Uh, lots of pictures here. Boy, that yes, box has been card. through better days. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> probably little, not the first. Well, <laughs> well, you know, the, the perils of ground shipping. What are you going to do? You're yeah. fourth on the review list. Can you please balk it back up so we can send right. it to the fifth guy? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's an external sound card. Uh, I'm guessing. Yeah. Oh, look, single... LED writing. Oh, so lighting. there's a. And that's the priority. The and, and I believe when it was green, it's now controlling your audio. Okay, your, so at least the lights you're hearing. Something. You push it again. Now controlling the volume levels on your microphone. Okay. And the third one is a balance mode for when you're playing a game, uh, playing music and streaming. So you can sort of balance hmm. the sound, sound levels, although I'm not sure how you do that with a single knob. But uh, apparently hey, that's what you they can do. Look. Jeremy, you can make a human life with a single knob, so I don't know why it's you're questioning. True. Well, it needs a Ooh. slot. Well, yeah, but it's a universal <sighs> interface. It's a universal interface. It is that. So, I mean, it fits in just about anything if you try hard <clears> enough. <throat> um, so, yeah, they go into the software, other things. Uh, yeah, I've I got one of their, one of their uh, number fives or whatever. I can't remember which. Uh, number made, five is a lot. Exactly. Let me do my take a look at my my sound blast oh, for which one G5. I've got. Oh, I got the AE five plus, and um, it is a it is a significant jump in terms of audio quality from built in motherboard sound. I mean, still, even though they've done great things with motherboard sound, it's still standalone cards. They're going to have better filtering. It's going to have better components in there. A lot more components. Um, so yeah, your, your 5.1 audio or 7.1, whatever you're doing with that card, uh, you're going to have better separation. You're going to have less crosstalk. It's going to be in a more mm-hmm. electrically, um, um, quiet, um, environment, well, even though it's still USB inside your case. Good. Yeah. Yes. Your USB port. Be, I mean, if, good, if you're using your front USB ports on this piece of <laughs> case, yeah. then it's going to be garbage. Uh, but yeah, when, when you've got a USB one out, side of it uh it, it it performs even better electrically and uh you can do a lot of stuff uh, in there that you can't do inside a computer well maybe not a lot of stuff but you can still uh, make it a little bit more accurate and again depends on what dax that you use and op amps and all of that uh but yeah it uh, i think it's even got built-in headphone amp in there and uh, that one does. up to six yeah. up to 600 ohms uh, headphones so uh pretty interesting looking in terms of specs and uh yeah i mean it's kind of a pain to have a little you know it's not a huge piece but i mean it is going to take desktop space and then you got to plug in speaker wires or you know however you're you're doing that from uh so neat now one thing i'm glad do. that audio is kind of coming back a little bit more sorry yeah. to interrupt you go ahead one Jeremy. thing it does do and i don't think yours does either is it's actually physically uh, 7.1. Mine's physically 7.1. So, okay, mine mine's virtual. So it's, yeah. Oh, 
it, it's not quite as good, but that is one big difference. If you buy one that's the virtual 5.1 or 7.1, you're never going to get the same as with the actual separated jacks. And you can get really fancy if you have not one, but two available PCI Express slots. Get something like a new, oh, Pro, new which has the, se- the separate surround. Yeah. And this thing is like all discrete components. It's ridiculous. And the Pink Panther theme on it sounds lovely. Yes, and probably the best reviewed sound card I've ever seen as far as measurements go. Mm. Audio science review. I don't see the new uh, creative one on here, but they've done many a creative review in the past. You know, back in the day, creative made noisy cards because uh, they didn't use a whole lot of um, shielding and, you know, questionable components. But that was back in the ISA era. Things have improved since then. Yeah, and you can get the uh, Sound Blaster 8-bit SCSI 2 for only $500. It's- yes, I saw that on eBay. Uh, it's a, a steal at that price, but it is new in box. But I miss yeah. my game port. Yeah, your game port. Jeremy, and a game port remember- and a SCSI interface. Jeremy, do you remember when you used to put builds on the site? say uh. this is a recommended build and every one of your builds had a progressively better sound card in it yeah i, I remember those, those wonderful those days, days where i could even look at the hardware leaderboard without breaking down into tears and just yeah. not being able to type and that's we'll come why back that's one day not- when it's not a travesty but it's a travesty it right now yeah <laughs> Buy okay. this video card. It's the best one on the planet. It's only $12,000, 10 times over its Oh, come on. A 6900 XT, you can get brand new from Newegg right now for $1,499. Does that all? All right. I'll update it. $14? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I saw a 3090 for about the same Newegg's, too. Yeah, it's, Newegg's it's terrible. Better, but... Newegg's better than Micro Center. Yeah, but only general, for yes. the two ridiculous high end cards. Yeah, I meant yeah. for if price. If you go lower than that, then all hell broke loose, and and you oh, get Bruce, a sixty seven hundred yes. XT for nine eighty nine, and it was on sale for like nine forty nine today. I mean, it is it is a fast card? Oh. It's the sixty seven hundred XT is faster than a fifty seven hundred XT. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, would you pay a thousand for a thousand bucks? No, no. no. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Micro, ha- Micro Center had them at around 1500 just a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe for and Micro that was, Center I the Insiders. Best. Was it in a newsletter? Did you have to click a special no. link? No, I went to the site. Insider. No. Okay. No. Do you want me to bring up Western Digital and how nasty the drive situation was again? Because I want to make sure that Jeremy's thing doesn't go unnoticed. I heard it. Okay. Discerning Thank you. listeners pick up on puns <laughs> like that. No, Bruce S. just totally distracted me with a friggin' pork beef steak sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, why did he do God. that? That's <laughs> looks good. It's looking good. Uh, for reasons I do not fully understand, but I like it. There's a story on our list about upgrading the storage in your 386. That's oh. modified frequency modulation, baby. This is before IDE. Yes. But yes. no, I, I just I ran into this and uh, the Hardware Asylum has been doing this project with this 386 for quite a while now and they're just pimping it out because they didn't just do the old MFM hard drive. See, there was 
a new wonderful thing called run length limited uh, controllers, which you could either buy separately and add on to the hard drive, which usually ended in tears, but uh, was kind of fun because the thing was that because it changed the way and the accuracy of the signaling, it not only made the drive read and write faster, it actually increased the capacity by about 50% plus or minus. And uh, after a while, they started incorporating them directly in. Uh, but this is back before master and slave and doing pin jumpers. This, this was back when it, it was a lot of fun to work inside of a computer and just try and figure out why in the fricking hell this thing doesn't work. And Hey, if you've still got a three and a half inch floppy, you still use MFM uh, to this day. That's still how they trans that, how they are able to communicate even when everything else is pretty much on fire. So I thought it was hilarious for some of us that actually sort of vaguely remember these days. And for those that literally never lived through it, it's kind of worth looking at. It, it's a lot of fun, either as a memory or as a, okay. When they used to say that they walked uphill both ways to school, barefoot and in 18 feet of snow, like, Okay, maybe it wasn't quite that bad, but yeah, it was actually pretty bad back then. Did you have a mallet for like stiction issues to get the drives going? <laughs> Wouldn't. Oh, okay. You could actually you could hold them and like spin them like this in order to like break them free. Sometimes <laughs> just get a little <laughs> rotational. Just drop it. Snap two inches them. down on the desk. You could do that with SCSI drives occasionally. That would also work sometimes. Um, and they wouldn't work very long. Push start that, but. your damn scuzzy drive. Yeah. I used to do with a lot of them because I was start. I was supporting uh, Sun Sun Spark workstations back then. Oh well, there you go then. Lots back when hard drives were not something you wanted to drop on your foot. Uh, no, the externals were actually giant five and a quarter, you know, quad height. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you could call it something like that. Yeah, remember the Bigfoot drives? Oh yes. <laughs> Yep. Hey, that was kind of a random look back at the past. And speaking of randomness, random numbers. Yes. Do you like them? Do you want them to be even more random? They're important. Random numbers are really important. For video games, I guess. Like for, <laughs> uh, for everything, game. pretty much. Everything, everything, my man. Everything. You really want what me to try and again? talk about Skirmions? I, if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> Generating better random numbers numbers with one yeah. micrometer magnetic swirls. In, which which in only means films. that uh, they, they produce more random numbers than we're able to detect the pattern, uh, sadly. But still, that for, for however long this lasts, it will be random. I, okay, so electrons are already freaking weird. But if you create what is essentially a two-dimensional film uh, with, with some magnetic properties so that you can actually trap electrons on this this and it's not technically it's not truly two-dimensional but for not getting into the math that i can't even get into uh assume that it is and so when these electrons line up what they do is their magnetic fields end up perpendicular and the, the lovely thing is that you, you can feel a little bit of electricity to this this flat sheet and one of the electrons is going to flip uh, so instead of spinning this way, it's now spinning that way, but it never spins sideways because, well, physics is freaking weird at that point. Uh, what that does is create magnetic eddies in the skirmions around it. And these buggers are 
robust. They last and they wander around the sheet. And we're really hoping that we can start using them for computational purposes because they're, they're very bizarre. They do ones and zeros very well. And they're, they're tough little buggers. But the other thing about it is that uh, if you sort of trap an electron in that state on, on the film, it creates, it, it, it starts to, sorry, if you trap one of these skirmions with a magnetic field so that it can't bounce around like it likes to, well, it gets pissed off and it starts growing and shrinking in a very random way, at least as far as we know. And so that's what yeah, we're looking at. Yeah, I do that too. Yeah, well, uh-huh. I usually just grow. There's not much drinking. <laughs> it's been all my life. Never mind. Wait, are we <laughs> still talking about interfacing? Yes. Oh, we are <sighs> definitely talking no. about interfacing. Okay. So, anyways, it's it's the, if you're if you are one of the people that carries around a crown royal bag with little dice and praised her and Jesus, this is probably going to be a lot harder <laughs> to carry around. Uh, it's uh, it's done at very 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 low temperatures and such but what it is is they're measuring the changes in size and as far as they can tell it's purely random and being able to generate random numbers is basic to encryption let alone computing uh together like everything that we've done that seems to be pure randomness no you can eventually pick up patterns which means you can eventually figure out what the hell is going on whereas with this at this point there is no predictable pattern we can do so it's it's interesting, and this could also, be, if it is truly random in this way, cause some issues for a lot of the problems that we're running into if quantum computers get to the point where they are able to just eat through encryption. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I encourage you to slip, pop through to Slashdot, who puts uh, a link in, and there is also a physics.org link that you can go and sort of read the paper if you want to spend a whole bunch of money, because a lot of this is sadly behind a paywall. Uh peer-reviewed and expensive yes not that it should be just that it is but maybe your university gives you access to it if you're a college student Um, or you know someone that is yeah exactly and have their password or if you just hack it just just steal it outright there's no prize for hacking this one yeah no well via expressvpn so you get the money yeah just use expressvpn to hack and collect your hundred thousand dollars as you pass go Time for gaming quick hits, and we begin with quick War, Warhammer 40k. This looks a lot more like an XCOM game uh, that's been done in the Warhammer universe than some of the true-to-pen-and-paper style ones, which is going to make it a lot more attractive for some people. But the two things that I noticed about it was that, one, Anti-Circus is the uh, boss that you're working for, and two, well, you can choose a target. There is never any hit percentages so you don't end up with your gun directly in the alien's face telling it that you got a 65% chance to hit. Uh, it's a mix of melee. Uh, Rock, paper, shotgun got a little chance at it and we're literally like, okay, so this apostate preacher has this incredibly ridiculously powerful staff that can just, you know, party kill. They chopped its arm off, thus disarming it didn't have a staff anymore. Uh, they blew up a bridge where reinforcements were pouring in. So it looks like it's XCOM with a couple of interesting additions to it. That's Andy there that was talking. Uh, so the writing is going to be not great, but uh, the overall performance and or sorry, the overall gameplay looks 
very XCOM-y, just with, you know, Warhammer 40k going on. Hence the SNM Techno Priests. <laughs> Not out for a while. Yeah, we're looking at that game footage. mode. I don't mind that game mode. I like XCOM. Yeah. Our next gaming quick hit. Oh, no. Yes. We're, here we are. How many years later? Nine. Nine. Is it just nine? It feels like 90. Well. Star Citizen. <laughs> uh, the roadmap is apparently getting a little bit more vague. Do you, uh, see How can you disappoint your fans if you won't even tell them what you're going to give them anymore? Yeah. Apparently, care. the promises they were making were a little bit too specific, and so people could point <laughs> to it and say, you said this would happen by this time. It's long past this time and nothing happened. So now they're just going to be a little more vague. It, yes, why would they stop? They've made $434 million in crowdfunding so far. And people are still throwing money at them. Right. Because it's got to buy like a religion. Yeah, it's become a religion. Oh my gosh! It truly has. Elron Hubbard would be proud. If yeah. Oh my gosh! Would be, oh, he'd be no, jealous. Elron Hubbard would be. If you want to make games. real money, you make an open-ended game. <laughs> you never release it. That's the problem. Yeah. If you ever yeah. release it, that's it. Game over. You just keep dragging them on, dragging them on. Dying Light Two is next on the list, which uh, doesn't seem terrible. According to this, well, from a a playability perspective, that is it really cool to go parkouring and explore an open world and things like that. But there, are, unfortunately, is some initial initial release bugs. But it seems like it's going to be a really excellent game and a and a worthy successor to the original 2015 Dying Light. I've been playing a lot of Dying Light One, so I'm actually really looking forward to this one. I was hoping it was going to be a pretty smooth launch for the uh the polish company that's actually where they're from did you know that they got started in like a uh a a fight uh like a fight game like a head-to-head fight game it was pretty pretty low low brow and uh they did dead island before this i didn't know oh, okay heard of dead island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the same crew that did that um, but yeah, it looks like it's going to be an excellent game, but not at first you know dying light uh, two initials got some teething problems this next one is, of course, who could resist looking at Dying Light 2 DLSS versus FSR. And I'm sorry to okay. say that the FSR implementation is not fully baked. DLSS is really doing some wonderful things in Dying Light 2, but but FSR, they, they didn't uh, do the highest quality mode, which is probably their best mode. They didn't do it, and there's some, some issues with that. But hmm. DLSS is doing wonders, especially at 4K. The article here says that it's almost doubling performance at 4K. It's great. In what mode, though? Oh, so it was set to quality. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so similar frame rate, but uh, looks better than FSR in that game, which, you know, Correct. D&D fans will it's, say. It's a conspiracy. Again, this is an implementation. It's an implementation thing. They Clearly, there's this is a work in progress for... Uh, for the Dying Light 2 team, um, they've got some bugs to fix, and I would like to think that they're going to get a little bit better FSR over time. Be Quiet released a new power supply. They actually released two. It's part of their Pure Power 11 series. This is the FM850W. The FM is full modular. The 850W is 850 watts. And uh, yeah, it's uh, just, a as I put here, a light unboxing. 
a very light unboxing, basic overview, and some completely unscientific load testing. Tune in to see just how unscientific power supply load testing could be. Though, I mean, you know, I just... Did, did you I stand took, on it? I did not. <laughs> just for the click. So we, we look at the power supply, look at what comes in the box, and uh, build a system with a 12900K with all the power limits turned off. I pointed out, oh, and used a RTX uh, 3090 Supreme, which, oh, which just is called just Supreme wasn't enough. because it has a third 8-pin PCIe power connector on it and a triple fan liquid cooler. And then in the BIOS, uh, made sure that the power limits were set to 4,096 watts, which is stock for this processor. That's fine. <laughs> uh, take you through a Windows install, but not really. And... Uh, then start doing things like running, I don't know, folding at home while running Blender with two GPUs and, you know, the CPU running full blast and seeing how long it took to uh, shut down the system doing stuff like this. I actually got 991 watts uh, power draw at one point. So anyway, wow. just for some silly spike. nonsense. They're, uh, they, they make good power supplies. We've got some at, at work and... Um they are built like champs. They, anyway, they have a little bit of a different way of arranging their their output power, um, which sometimes is good in a particular case, and sometimes it's bad. But I guess you know works either way, depending on yeah, whether it's a it's Corsair twin, style or twelve volt Seasonic rails, style. Which yeah. is, I guess, that would give it away if you're looking up who the OEM is. Mm. That's true. Yeah, I find them fairly robust when well built. Well, you know, when I was Real running, true. what I when I was running. Um, folding at home on the CPU and both GPUs at full power. And I was using a RTX 3080 Ti and a 3080 Founders Edition cards, 12900K. It was fine. It was drawing like 765 watts from the wall, 795. And, uh, you know, fan never really spun up very loud. The fan profile on those is basically targeting 10 dBs until you get up past 70% load and then it starts to ramp up, but it, it stops it like 26 dbs it's a very quiet fan sorry was this a 750 or an 850 again 850 850 that sounds like a great little uh unit for someone yeah. building their own machine so yeah. and not horribly not hor horribly expensive now in the modern era if you actually look at new egg pricing 129 for 80 plus gold 850 watts the stuff from corsair is is in the 119 to 139 range and then Something from Seasonic would be a little bit more. So yeah. it's it's kind of right in the middle uh, as far as pricing for a full modular 80 plus gold right now. Let's move on to picks of the week. And who's going to start us out? Let's say Josh. Me. <clears throat> you know, it's been ages. Some people like to build computers. And this motherboard is a solid one. It's got the 12 plus 2 uh, uh, VRMs. Uh, it's a B550. So, of course, you only get one. Uh, PCI 4.0, M.2, the other one, it will be uh, 3.0. Uh, but it's just a solid built motherboard for not a whole lot. I mean, 136 bucks. it's, you know, a $6 sale. Um, but really uh, a nice, nice little motherboard for someone who uh, is, is doing a build, maybe with a 3700G. Uh, it would be perfect for that because you could then grow out in the future. 
it, it, it is a board that is not horribly expensive and it, it allows you room to grow. So yeah, buy motherboards. RAM is cheap. SSDs are cheap. They're fast. You can get CPUs everywhere now. And uh, if you have Sorry a 2060, what? Sorry about that anyway. graphics card. Yeah, well, I mean, you're going to have to migrate your old one to there and just deal with it until times get better. But times are getting better because a lot of these cards are now staying in stock far longer. Even, you know, they're at higher rates as we talked about, but um, things are slowly improving. They are getting better. And next week, I'll probably talk about a uh, Asus uh, 3060 that I actually bought myself and I got it off Newegg Shuffle and it was $449 for a RTX 3060. That's, In the modern I mean, era, that's, that's, that's insane. And uh, they're, you know, people are winning shuffles a little bit more often. I only had to go well, through five to like get it. So, and it wasn't bundled with anything. It wasn't bundled with anything. This uh, was this oh. was a deal, and I've been doing testing on it this uh, past week, and um, I'm a little disappointed. It's not any faster than a 2060 Super. Surprise! Right, because a 2060 yep. Super was a 2070, and a 3060 is a 2070 with slightly better ray tracing performance. Yeah, yes. it's going to have better RTX performance, but yeah, that's, and that's it. But your your lower memory. I mean, you got have more memory, but less speed. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting beast. I mean, if you have a twenty sixty or twenty sixty super, it's a side grade at most. But anyway, moving along, Jeremy. All right, this someone uh, posted this earlier today. I think it was in the public channel, and it's just too damn funny not to talk about. So apparently. Uh, if you were in Seattle and you were listening to the local NPR channel and you happen to be on a Mazda that was built between the years of 2014 and 2017, apparently your entire infotainment system has been bricked. And in order to fix it, it's going to cost about $1,500 to get the new media unit, which is now permanently stuck in a reboot loop. Why, you might ask. Has this happened? Well, it seems that the old Mazda infotainment system depended on extensions and didn't know what a header was. And so these guys sent out uh, HD, uh, your, your fancy radios. Like when you're listening to a song, it gives you an, a view of the record album uh, or CD if you're younger and don't know what a record is. Uh, but it gives you the little record art. So they sent out an HD version of some of the cover art and it didn't have a header but it had an extension which told all of the master <laughs> master control units to yeah you just 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 start rebooting and uh that's that's kind of it uh so <laughs> i mean this is horrific if you own one of these cars you are incredibly upset right now and you know, spending $1,500 for a new Mazda or for a new MCU or, well, sorry, a used Mazda, but still, like, it's it's horrific, but it just shows uh, all the times that I've been, you know, complaining about visual learning systems and autopilot and just the ridiculous ways that you can absolutely and totally break these things and cause horrible things to happen. Yeah, well, now even your radio station can do it. So, uh, yeah, 
That's what we've got to do. The Internet to. of Shit. Yes. Brett. Brett. Your pick this week. This is it every the this this fits the dollar cost category of good deal for those who still might want a full-sized SSD rather than just a gumstick mm. NVMe. For an entire terabyte of storage, look here. $79. SK Hynix. An SSD, exactly one terabyte, so 1,000 gigabytes, with Mm. SLC cache. With SLC cache, I might add. And they're advertising, you know, full SATA speeds, SATA SSD. Now, this would make a great, for instance, if you're building like um, uh, an Unraid server at home, get a couple of these for uh, cache drives or a a game desk, game launching stuff like that, if, if you need some storage for that. But it's just flatly a pretty good deal for a terabyte for eighty bucks, seventy nine oh four. And this is going to be, be yeah, if probably you're, some limited to sale. So go 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 now. Yeah, it just to me, it just says in stock. This is on the Amazon. It's not like one of those time delay th- or time limited things on Newegg. Yeah, could not, might not be. Yeah, still Excellent. good drives. It yeah. just you know, and even yeah. though you're you're down at five hundred megabytes per second. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very consistent and uh, access times are still extremely low and it's in a form factor that is easy to swallow. Not really. And it has SL- SLC cache on it. That's what the yeah. write-up says. It does have cache. Yeah. It's well, not SLC cache, meaning it's pretend. Like it's like they've apportioned well, off a part of the perhaps. demand to act as SLC. Ah. But you yeah. know. Yes, could very well be. It could be, could be partitioned that way. Yes. It, yeah, no, and, it is anyway. Yeah. But go yeah. ahead. Yes, uh, but, for my uh, pick Patriot this week, was brave enough to release a, a new SATA drive this week too. They're the still Patriot useful version. for a lot of things. And in fact, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this or not. Most motherboards still accept SATA connections. You can still you know, a half dozen, not stuff. just for optical drives anymore. No SATA, <laughs> apparently not. It's what's for storage. Like, I mean, you know, some big storage. They used to come with six ports. You know, some of them come with four, but. No. I've seen them with only two, but really? that's kind of an extreme case. Also, mm-hmm. mini ITX probably. That well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, my pick this week uh, is the exciting world of apparently the one electric tea kettle design that exists. I thought, oh, this is it. No, it's Amazon Basics. I'm like, oh, well, this is it. It's Hamilton Beach. Mine is no, a slur- the Hamilton Beach Farberware that looks exactly like the Hamilton Beach. Has the same like. Metal, uh, metal look plastic base that you set it on you, you dock these things and then they boil your water really fast and a pro tip if you want to avoid the unsightly scaling from your mineral infested water use distilled and don't it will live look, in michigan it'll look bra- yeah don't live in michigan this this has some steam <laughs> uh, in it this is just steam it's not mineral deposits but if you look at that water it's fairly clear and I've had this for at least two or three years. <laughs> I've had this for two or three years, and I don't have any scaling the water. issues. How often the do you water the is water? ancient. I, I don't even know how long ago. <laughs> but you boil it, and it's fine. So I'm distilling my own water by just boiling the same water over and over again and having it drip back nice. down. It has a little screen filter to you know prevent scaling from you know going into your cup. It's very exciting. I think I only paid like $25 for it. They're... 29 to 30. They're so handy. Everything. Yeah. I'm drinking a lot of instant coffee these days, so it does come in handy a lot. 
But don't drink the my water Huel. there. That's how I that's how I the, boil the water from my Huel, the dirt mm. that I eat twice a week. You just mix up your soup with the pre-boiled, the, the boiling water? I guess you could make ramen with this, too. There's so many yeah, uses absolutely. for hot water. does so many amazing things. I know. It's amazing. <clears throat> you can power a giant locomotive with it. <laughs> and eat salty you some coiled wires, but, or noodle food. tubes. But yeah, you could do that. Yeah. I didn't buy it at Micro Center, though. That was my mistake. Oh, you should drop over. <sighs> yeah, that was our show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This has been the PC Perspective Podcast, and uh, we will be back next week in all likelihood to do it all over again for you. We do it just for you, not for us. I would rather be in bed right now. Mm. I have to get up at 7 in the morning and take my son to school, but no. That's all. Good Good night. night.